This is the Keeper's Debrief for session number six, in which the party arrives at Lake's Camp on uh, the Antarctic. And you may notice that the sound quality is a lot better for this debrief. That's because I'm recording it sometime after the session ended and uh, after Black Friday, on which I procured myself a new microphone. Um, so hopefully that'll help with my audio quality a little bit. I've noticed that my um, the microphone that is in the iPhone headset has a tendency to scrape on my clothes and cause this kind of very annoying sound, scraping sound, um, that it's hard to remove entirely from the recording. So I figured I would try this instead. And uh, unfortunately, I have a cat who won't leave me alone, who's walking around on top of my desk. That's her sniffing the microphone. So um, get out of here, cat. Nope. Time, I mean that I haven't taken the time. I've had plenty of time. Um, but the recording of, uh, or the editing of these episodes, it takes so long. And um, I, I do have one friend who listens to them who's asked me uh, to put out some more episodes very soon. Um, but beyond that, there's not a lot of incentives. So I end up doing all kinds of other stuff instead. But I'll get around to it, hopefully, maybe even after this uh, recording. This is uh, 3 p.m. on a Sunday, so I've got a few hours before um, my wife comes home from work. Beyond that, um, you know, the last uh, session was pretty good. Finally, we arrived at Lake's camp and things start to kind of unravel. Um, The uh, characters start to find some evidence of uh, foul play, if you will. And um, there's, there's a lot there to kind of to take in almost too much. And uh, it's actually pretty tricky. This is where I think it starts to get pretty tricky for um, for the keeper because previously each uh, uh, each of the, the various sessions centered around a set piece of some sort for the most part with the exception of New York, but New York itself is um, the ordering of things doesn't matter so much, but some of the Making sure that people, that the characters get the right information to proceed is, of course, important, but um, it it's not, I guess it's kind of similar. But there's just, it just seems like there's so much more here to, to kind of keep track of. Um, I, I, I think it's because of the timeline, and it, one of the criticisms I would level against Beyond the Mountains of Madness is that it doesn't have kind of a, a timeline that I can have next to me and run... Uh, against. Um, so there are some uh, third-party timelines that are available. One of them uh, that I use. So my in my preparation for each um, session, I actually take that timeline and I write it out in uh, notes uh, on OS X and I make a, a to-do list out of it. And then I add in any skill checks that I know are going to be there because I run it off of Trail of Cthulhu. I might have talked about this before, I'm not sure. But because I run it off of Trail of Cthulhu instead of Call of Cthulhu, um, I have to interpret everything that's in Beyond the Mountains of Madness into that system. And there's a conversion guide for that, but I don't want to have that lying next to me as well. So I kind of combine those two things into um, 
uh, notes, which I have uh, on the screen as we're playing on the right-hand side, so that I can constantly kind of, whenever I feel like, okay, did I miss anything? Or what's next? I can check that list and make sure that um, we're on track, or that I didn't miss anything, or quickly look up uh, skill checks or uh, difficulty levels or stuff like that. And and then as we go through, uh, as I find time for it, um, I go in and I, I check off things uh, there to, to kind of make sure that I, I know where I am. So that's that's a tremendous help. It's a very complicated, because everything is kind of set on timelines. It's a very timeline-oriented uh, campaign. And this, you know a lot of people um, accuse it of being very linear, which it is. Um, you have to really, you know, uh, keep track of what's going on here. And around Lake's camp, I mean, first of all, you arrive, then different things start to arrive on each of the days. And there's certain things you're not supposed to let the players, which I don't know how you're supposed to, like, if the players tell you, okay, we're going to go dig that out, what are you supposed to say? Um, Moore tells you you shouldn't do that? Sure, you can, but now you're really like ham-fisted guiding the players. So that always seemed a little weird to me that that would be in there. Um, but then, as as the days progress, um, y- you really have to keep track of everything. And, and the, then the Germans arrive at some point uh, soon, and and that has implications. Lexington's people are there. You know, it's just there's a lot to keep track of, and I think even for the players, it's almost overwhelming. Um, so. I don't have any great advice to, to how to in terms of how to take care of that, but um, beyond the, the like the idea of having a timeline and, and making sure that uh, you have that to kind of orient yourself, there there are timelines on each of the chapters in the books that kind of outlines what days what happens. Um, but I always find that it's very hard to run things right out of the book. Um, especially because I'm running the second edition, and so I don't actually have the book. Uh, I have the book for some of those things, but for a lot of things, I actually have to run it out of um, essentially a Word document. Um, So that makes it even harder. One of the upsides to that, though, is um, I've taken to highlighting uh, that book, and I use different colors, and, and I put in notes and stuff so that I know, okay, this section is supposed to be read out loud, this section is something I should pay attention to and make sure to, to have in there um, if when I'm feeling up for it. Um, I'll include conversion notes. So whenever a skill is mentioned, I'll include a little note about how that converts over to Trail of Cthulhu or stuff like that in my in my prep. And and that's super helpful, but it's a lot of work. And um, you know, I think that's that's one of the big challenges of of this campaign period. Now, with regards to the last session and, and this, um, this, the whole sequence in Lake's camp, um, so we flew up there, arrived, landed, and started setting up camp and so forth. Um, it's, it's great to finally kind of start to feed them information or, um, you know, the kind of the, the actual story that they've come for. You know, we're... We're six sessions in. Um, we started playing in March. It's now November 29. We started playing in the beginning of March, I think, or February. And we, we don't play that often. And so 
it's it can be hard sometimes to get have the momentum and and keep reminding people of the things that have come before and all this stuff they have to remember uh, and whatnot. In fact, as I'm recording this, it's been a couple of weeks since we played the last session. I almost can't remember the details of of that session. Luckily, I have a recording, um, but it it it's a that's a big problem uh, for for the kind of role playing we can you know uh, we're not able to. Um, play every week or every other week so there's some some extra added difficulty there uh, that we have to deal with and <coughs> oh, I forgot to press the button um, and I, I take um, you know I, I take as much care as I can to kind of counteract that um, but it, it does feel a little it's a little odd and that's one of the things I, I guess I'm complaining the most about uh, with regards to this game it's just it's really hard to keep that um, up and, and constantly have to feed people you feel like it's you're, you're doing the previously on lost uh every time at the beginning of of every session um and and for every session you move on you you trail more and more stuff you have to remember to to kind of um bring up um what else oh yeah i actually i forgot in the beginning of the last session uh there was or this session, um, there was some confusion as to whether the camps were united and stuff like that. Um, and it, it's, it was unclear to me in the book as we were playing through and I found the answer. And now, of course, I've forgotten the answer. <laughs> but, uh, like whether they moved the camps together, you know, did they, uh, what was the exact deal that they made? And the details on that, are, I think, are a little vague and a little hard to find when you're in, in situ. And... Um, at least in terms of what I, uh, what I feel like um, uh, as somebody who's consuming these products, those are the kinds of things that should be absolutely clear because questions inevitably arise. Um, and uh, it's, it's always a problem, I guess, with role-playing supplements because you can only have so much detail in there. And um, uh, inevitably, the, the players are going to want to know something that you don't have a ready answer to. But nevertheless, um, you know, it's it's funny because there, there is a lot of information in there that, as a as a keeper, I really enjoy uh, reading this book in particular. I think above most, if not all, other role playing books. I think Beyond the Mountains of Madness is really one of the most enjoyable to read. But um, it it has sometimes a tendency to give me more information uh, than I really need with regards to uh, like the surroundings or the weather or, or things like that um, that stoke my imagination, but that don't really I can't really apply to the game. Um, and then in certain other areas, it's a little lacking. It's not a major criticism, but you know there you have it. What else? Um, we got into the cave just a little bit. Um, oh, I guess we, we ended on the cave, and so we're going to start doing the cave next. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see whether they're going to whether they're going to try and explore the uh, the full on cave system. So in, in the first edition of Beyond the Mountains of Madness, it, there's nothing there. You know, it's it just says I think uh, that it goes on forever. But in the second edition, there's actually uh, information about okay, so you decide to mount an expedition under the ground and all of that stuff is just to a surprising extent i would say actually in there and you can you can uh crawl and walk your way all the way up 
under the mountains and into the um, the heat exchange system underneath the city. Uh, and there's a lot of animal life and, and plant life and, and lakes and uh, and machinery and stuff that you can go through. And it's actually some of it's really cool, but I'm not sure that's exactly how I was planning, you know, to, to go through it. So we'll see whether they end up doing that. They they probably won't if I know them well, but who knows? They're players, so. Um, beyond that, you know, I, I um, now we're getting to a point because I'm running the second edition as well, where I have to make up my mind with regards to just how much of that material do I really want to bring into the game. And it's not an easy answer because on the one hand, I I really, I really like playing this game a lot. And uh, I think I think most of the players do too, but um, I also don't want to have it kind of one of the one of the criticisms I have of, of the second edition is that it it's it goes from kind of this taut thriller um, ending into this very expansive, almost semi fantasy dream world ish kind of thing, and it it's a very different flavor. And part of me really really likes the pressure um, that the, the players are put under consistently throughout. First, even just basic environmental stuff like seasickness and then frostbite and then like you get airsick and just these stupid things that um, in most role-playing games you wouldn't even, like in D&D, you would never consider that kind of stuff because your players are heroes. Well, here the, the, the players play uh, explorers, just people. And so exerting them uh, to to kind of the the, the stresses of exploration, I think, is an interesting in itself. And so once you get into the city, into the mountains, and you have to rely on your oxygen supply, you have to rely on your, your transportation and the gear that you have and, and each other, um, it becomes really interesting what would happen if somebody was to get injured you know, badly injured, but still alive. You have to now figure out what to do with this person, that kind of thing. Um, and the first edition exacerbates that by um, by only allowing a very, a relatively short amount of time, I think it's a couple of days, three or four days of exploration on in the city, whereas the second edition lowers the height of the plateau, which I always felt is a little, uh, as if Dyer's text was wrong, which... It's a little odd because you're taking everything else and saying that's right, but then this one thing is wrong. <clears throat> but um, yeah, so so that gives you more time on the plateau, which of course lets you explore more. But I'm just not sure that my players actually want that. I think they are looking for more in terms of action, in terms of uh, plot, and um, so I'm a little bit. Not at a loss necessarily, um, but I'm going to have to figure out exactly what my plan is here and, and how to to kind of go about that. Um, so so that's a choice that that I'm going to have to to make. Um, if the sound changes a little bit, it's because I'm still getting used to this new microphone, and, and now I'm I'm moving closer to it to see if if the sound is a little bit less echoey. 
beyond that, uh, what else? I mean, I, um, I've actually changed my setup at home. So I used to have a cinema display, two speakers on the sides, a keyboard, mouse, and then my laptop hooked up to that. And then when we were playing, I would usually have my laptop on the side with the screen up. So I had kind of double monitors and, um, and whatnot. And that, that's very important, I think, when, um, when you're running something that requires a lot of screen real estate, like uh, we, we used to play the One Ring, and there you're, you need a little bit more screen real estate for maps and for character sheets and for, you know, you, you set up um, uh, kind of these, these combat situations on a combat map and whatnot. And it, that's my neighbor banging on the wall. Um, and there you need the space because um, you need to be able to mani- manipulate these things while also seeing people's faces and all this kind of stuff. I got rid of that. So now my desk is empty and I, I can actually... One of the things I was I always uh, had problems fitting up my, my books and stuff. So I recently uh, I got a, an iPad Pro for, for work uh, stuff and I, I've been bringing it home. And I there's a lot of... It's a long-winded discussion, but it's a very interesting machine and... Um, it'll be a little while before it can replace a laptop for, for most people, I mean, especially for me, but it might actually be a very interesting role-playing game computer. Uh, first of all, because it um, its uh, screen is perfect for PDFs. It's about the right size of, of actual books. And so um, I've moved all of my role-playing game books on there and I've started to, to kind of spend some time reading through them on there and it's, it's pretty uh, pretty amazing. Um, beyond that, um, I use it for, it's where I have my, um, the second edition um, highlighted text that I go from and um, I also have another iPad and so I'm, I'm playing around with kind of what my setup is going to look like for the next session. Um, so probably I'm still going to have to run uh, Skype off of my MacBook so I can record it the way I usually do. Um, but beyond that, and then maybe I'll have Roll20 on there. But because um, the, the Trail of Cthulhu um, game actually doesn't use uh, Roll20 a lot, we exchange a few, a few uh, dice rolls. Um, every once in a while I'll look up a character's sheet but I, I've got a, a different investigator matrix that I can look up people's skills on and whatnot and then I share some maps and stuff but for the most part you know you don't run up into these kind of uh, tactical situations that you see in D&D or, or even uh, more simplistically in the one ring so it, it you can really do it with a lot less and uh, so that kind of it simplifies my life by, by removing my workstation from my bedroom which I'm very happy about and then beyond that, um, it, it, I think it might make me a little bit more flexible as I'm kind of recording and, and, and not have to have it be such a heavy, heavy duty kind of um, uh, affair. So, um, so yeah, that'll be very interesting. And, um, and I think, you know, uh, I, I, I'm uh, also playing in a, uh, the One Ring tabletop game right now. And um, I was using it last time uh, just kind of for shits and giggles um, to put my character sheet on there and actually use the pen to, to fill it in. So I took a screenshot and I put it into uh, paper, an app, and I wrote on it as if it was paper. And it, it works really well. Um, it's stupid because, um, you know, why not just use real paper? But... Um, for that particular purpose, but um, it, it, it's just nice to always have it. Now I always have it with me whenever I have my my iPad Pro, and I have all of the 
the books. I don't have to drag around the books anymore. And I love books. I I really um, enjoy having uh, all of my role-playing game uh, books with me, but they take up a lot of space. And right now they're actually all piled in my closet just because there's only so much space in an apartment for this kind of stuff, especially in New York. So... Um, so we'll see. Maybe maybe that'll be the end of me uh, buying paper uh, role-playing uh, books. Even though I, I recently bought um, a, a stack more. I bought Knights of Black Agents um, and the Dracula dossier books. So still stockpiling that stuff. Um, but I can't, it'll be interesting. I, I could see a world as well where... Um, where people would use tablets around the table. And Roll20 has done some work in that area. Um, I've previously complained about Roll20's design sense, which is just horrible. Um, for all the good that they do in terms of making a really flexible system that I've enjoyed a lot and that we've that really made it possible for us to, to play the one ring to begin with, um, the, they need to hire designers so bad. It, it, it just burns my eyes to, to see their system and to use it for certain things. And when I see it on my iPad, it's, it's even worse. It's, it's, so, it's so missing the, the point of what it should be uh, on there. Uh, and I wish I kind of had time to donate because I, I, uh, there's a part of me that really wants to get in there and just um, fix that stuff. But um, and thankfully, it's it's here. It exists, and I'm, I'm don't get me wrong. I, I do um, I do enjoy it, and I'm happy we have it for uh, for the for this game as well. Um, it's just uh, you know you know what it could be versus what it is, and that that's painful. Anyway, that's not a, uh, about uh, the campaign. That's uh, just some ex- uh, extra stuff. Um, yeah, I don't have a lot more to say. I you know I think. Um, I don't think this particular session stood out a lot to me. Um, uh, there were some realizations around what might be going on. Um, well, on sound from, like I'm from Jersey, um, and I, I guess what I'm I'm looking forward to the most is really to get into the city because I think that at some level there's. I guess the the um, the excavation of the creatures and the um, uh, the autopsy I thought was went pretty well, and I used the the, the uh, Lovecraft's text as a base to kind of describe the creature, and I think that went pretty well overall. But I, I think that the the bigger the, the big thing right now is that they don't know what's going on. They don't know if the creatures are alive or dead, and, and they might not even think about the fact that they should be going into the mountains and to figure out what's there. So they, to them right now, I think the their world inside of this game is only the camp. They haven't even, you know, thought beyond that. So, so there's really a, a chance there to have this pretty cool moment as they fly through and, and suddenly discover, holy shit, there's a giant city here a whole civilization and what are the implications of that um and that's that's been the moment that uh, i've been waiting for ever since i started the campaign so so i'm looking forward to seeing what was that gonna what uh, that's gonna play out like um yeah that's about it um 
I'll see if I can't finish off the other two uh, sessions. I'm not going to put this out until after I finish them, so when you hear this, you already have them. Until next time. <laughs>